look up. Man, that's timely, right? It's so easy to look all, all around us and look at our circumstances, look at things that are going on around us and just really be bogged down with uh, those things and lose sight. I think about Peter on the water and he's looking at Jesus and he's locking eyes with Jesus and he's in faith able to do something impossible and he loses sight and he begins to sink. We can't lose sight, amen? So like I said, Pastor Bob and Dina, they are out of town. Uh, we want to um, just appreciate them so much, uh, all the work that they put in. How, how, you know, it, it can be really tough being a pastor of a church. That's why I'm glad I'm not in that role. You know, like I, I think, I'm thankful that I just get to come up here every once in a while and, and do this. I'm really thankful for the opportunity and I don't take it lightly. And I know Pastor Bob and Dina don't either, but if you're new here, I'm not the guy in charge, okay? Uh, pastor Bob and Dina, they're on a well uh, deserved and needed vacation. So we're gonna pray that they're rested. Pray for them this week. When you're thinking about it, they need, they need that. They need our support. They need prayer. They need refreshing. God's got big plans for us here in our body and it's exciting what's going on. I'm just really excited about it, but we need, we need them to be well rested, amen? So we're gonna pray for them. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to live in another time? Like, Another time. I, I uh, like the movie The Sandlot. Who's a fan of the movie The Sandlot? Is it great, right? Yeah. Some of you may have grown up in this time frame, and it just seems like it was so easy. Like, they just, like, where, first off, did you see any of these kids' parents except for, like, one? You know, like, where, how fun was that? They just, I don't even let my kids go out in the backyard without being like, what are you doing? What's going on? You know? It's things, funny how things have changed sometimes. But, um, you know, it'd it just be so cool uh, to live in that time frame, I think. Uh, I'm not much of a a baseball player. I used to play in the neighborhood a lot, uh, but I couldn't hang with these guys, that's for sure. Uh, or think about like what it would be like to live uh, when Jesus was on the earth, right? In that time, whenever, uh, what it would be like to like actually see the birth of the church, actually see the Messiah come who was promised for years and years and years, and everyone's like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then all of a sudden, you get to be a part of that and get to see that. How incredible would that be? I think about that sometimes. The early church, and when the Holy Spirit uh, came in the upper room and everyone, you know, all the excitement of the church growing so rapidly and it, it just must have been the most exciting time, but it wasn't all good. We don't want to romanticize it too much. There were some things that happened, right? The early church was persecuted and they were spread out and it wasn't, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, but uh, it was an exciting time and it was the time that those disciples then, that's when they were designed to be created and live out their purpose, right? So there's a couple things. If you think about it, I want to think about looking back just a little bit into our history and some things that maybe are a little bit new in the scheme of things, but uh, they haven't been around as long as you think they have. Uh, but thinking about living in another time, I really am so grateful that we live in this time for a few simple reasons. Number one is electricity, right? Like think about living without electricity. I think uh, something that I read was in 1925, which isn't that long ago, if you think about it, electricity was still only in about half the homes in, in uh, America, which is sort of crazy to think about, right? So electricity is a relatively new discovery, not invention, right? Uh, here's a big one, and this is probably the, the deal breaker for me. Uh, we live with toilets and toilet paper, right? So, you know, I pulled up the patent for uh, a toilet paper patent. This might not be real. It could just be a joke. I see it going around on, on the internet. 
but, you know, it wasn't, like, really until, like, 150, 200 years ago that toilet paper was, like, mainstream, okay? So uh, I just don't, I can't imagine. God, thank you so much for letting me be born in the age of toilet paper. And I'm going to settle something real quick while we're all here, okay? Zoom in on that picture. You see which way that toilet paper is rolling over there? Amen. Okay. <laughs> it's settled. Finally. Cars. Who has, who has a nice shiny car, right? A uh, hundred years ago or so, not everyone would have. This is like the first car. How cool is that, right? There's things like grocery stores and fast food. Love me some Wendy's sometimes or some Cane's, right? Microwaves, refrigerators, all these things. They're relatively new in the scheme of things. So I'm really excited for that reason that we're in this time. If you think about the past couple hundred years, how things have accelerated, you can sort of lose sight of that just by looking around us in our world today. But these things are all things that have happened relatively recently and all at once. I think about the story of Queen Esther. She was confronted. Basically, him and put in charge uh, by the king in a culture where people, uh, the people of God didn't belong. And they didn't follow their way, and they didn't bow down and worship these other people. They wouldn't do it, and it made them furious. And so Haman had a plot to destroy the people of God, basically. Just cliff notes to lead up to this scripture. Esther 4.14, it says, "For This is Mordecai talking to Esther. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet no one knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. What's interesting there is that there's a question mark at the end of that sentence in the Bible. Esther was faced with this question. Are you going to stand up and do what God has put you here to do? Mordecai said, I'm not worried about, if you don't do it, someone else is going. I'm not worried about it getting done. But it was her responsibility at this time. And let me tell you, it was not a small ask. The king had a decree, basically said, if anyone tries to come into my court and talk to me and I didn't ask him to come here, you're done. And she told Mordecai that, but she still agreed to follow through. We need to learn from that. We're here in this time in the world for a reason. Imagine, you know, really truly wanting to be in another time or not wanting to take that responsibility that we have. You know, God created us for this time Makes me think I have uh, this pool that was donated to me. Thank you so much, mom and dad. It's like a little 15-foot, uh, you know, one of those uh, Sam's Club Walmart kind of pool things. It's awesome. I love that thing. It's so easy to take care of. You can find me most mornings as the fog is lifting and the sun is rising with my skimmer out there, diligently working to keep this pool spotless and clean and the chemicals and, you know, I'm going to get, like, I'm really nerdy, so I'm going to get, like, these little sensors and be able to check it from my phone and add chemicals and all this kind of stuff, right? So it's my heartbreaking surprise when I come into the house and say, guys, the pool is ready for you. And they say, not right now, Dad. I'm playing fall, guys. I got the battle pass. I can't, I can't leave. So ironically, Kim actually captured a photo of me throwing Micah into the pool. Uh, that's not really him. But I thought about it. Get in there. I worked so hard on this, right? But we have to think sometimes that might be how God views us. Like, no, you don't understand. Like, we look at sometimes maybe the, the scary part. Esther going in and saying, I'm going to die if I do this. 
But really, this is an exciting time for the church if we take on this responsibility that we're going to take on. Amen. We are taking it on, but we need to be maybe reminded of a few things, okay? We need to step up. So I'm not a doom and gloom kind of person, okay? Um, I also don't like to make very broad statements about the end of the world, okay? But there is going to be this time that Jesus talked about called the end of the age, right? It's not something that's a mystery or debated. It's going to happen. And there are events that are going to happen. Maybe the series of those events is debated and different things about those events is debated, but there, it is coming. And it's sort of all built into us, right? We love to watch these. Uh, I love to watch uh, like apocalyptic movies and TV shows. I just, it's, it's interesting to me. And I love reading about the end times eschatology. We're not going to go into all that. But there are a few things that I want to bring up. You know, we are... I'm not going to say it's going to happen in my lifetime. You know, I don't know that. No one knows the day or the hour of when some of these events are going to occur. It doesn't really matter. What you can't deny is that there are things that are accelerating. We're at least on a faster trajectory towards these things, whether they happen today, which according to biblical prophecy could happen, right? Or if they happen a thousand years from now, I don't know, but I'm still going to live prepared for it, okay? And we have... We have a world around us that we need to reach. We can't play church anymore. And I'm not saying we are, but I'm saying we can't. Okay? Think about, there's a couple things. One thing that I find is very interesting, when we're looking back at these more recent modern inventions like toilet paper and electricity and things like this, you realize that in our generation's lifetime, sort of our time on earth, that some of the major biblical prophecies have come to pass. Anyone know what happened in 1948? Israel became a nation, right? Almost seemingly out of nowhere. This was a major thing that happened in the course of history. It's, guys, it's in the Bible that it would happen, and everyone said it can't happen, and it happened, right? Time and time again, the Bible prophesies things, and they come to pass. You can't debate it. Even people that don't believe in it don't debate the truth of these things, right? When Jesus was talking about the end times, he was talking about uh, when he was gave the Olivet Discourse, right? He talked about birth pains, birthing pains that the world would experience. And many of those things we know. Um, and there, things have accelerated. Why am I talking about all this? I'm not here to scare anybody. That's not my purpose. But it's for us to understand the urgency of the time that we live in, that there is a purpose for us and we can't sleep on it. We have to feel that urgency but more than that, it's so exciting. We, we get to be a part of this. There will be generations that come after us that are going to say, imagine what it would have been like to have been at this time, right? So we can't let it slide. I believe that there is revival and awakening coming to our local community, to our, to our students, to our families. I tried to time that out so bad that I'd be at the point at 11-11, but it didn't work out. I missed it by five minutes. Darn. But it's a wake-up call in a way to some of us, right? I don't believe that, I'm not talking about a revival where we're just having another crazy church service. That could happen. But I'm talking about a real awakening of our hearts to understand the time that we live in, the call that we live in. And so there's just a few things that I want to share that I feel like God has been prompting me on. Okay, so I'm speaking to myself a lot here with this. Things that he's put in my heart for us as a church, and for me personally, I think we need to return our hearts to looking at the Great Commission and really what that means. 
you know, when Jesus, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures because there's a couple of accounts. It's really cool when you read the gospels, there's different accounts of the same event. And sometimes they're like exactly the same. And sometimes there's little pieces of them that are slightly different. That they all go together. They're not contradicting each other. Uh, but there's different perspectives. And I love how God did that for a reason in his word. I'm going to read Luke 24, verse 6. This is when Jesus has, um, he had died and been resurrected. And he's come back. And now he's talking to the disciples. And it seems like it's pretty recent that he's talking to the disciples after coming back. Uh, because some of the accounts talk about him having to prove it, like Thomas showing him his hands and things like that. He says, then he said to them, this is Jesus, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. This is him talking in third person. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, so beginning at home. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming and filling them. In Matthew 28, 19, it's a different part of that same account. It says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is Jesus again. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now you know, and you can't avoid this truth. I tricked you. The Bible talks about if we hear the word when we leave and we don't do it, it's like a man who sees himself in the mirror, walks away, and immediately forgets what he looks like. How embarrassing would that be? I don't want to be embarrassed before God when we, when we get to heaven and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? God's instructions before sending the Holy Spirit was to send the church out to make disciples. What does that really mean? Discipleship is not like a one-time event where we're like, hey, go through this class and check out these little check boxes. It's a continuum, right? People come into the faith at all different places in their life. Some people have gone to uh, maybe been a part of another faith or maybe uh, atheist completely denying the existence of God, or maybe knowing that there's a God but never having a relationship with him, right? So the, the approach can't, it has to be so individual. It's not about a class we have at a church. Discipleship really is about relationship and moving people from one place to the next, right? Just the same way as that we're all discipled. We have people in our lives that we look up to that might help us with things, and we all need to have that. Jesus did privately teach his disciples. There was, there was classroom time, and we will do things like that here, right? Like that's part of the church's responsibility is to um, help people understand how to read the Bible and, what, and find out what it says for themselves. You certainly can't just take whoever's up here speaking's word for it exactly, and that's it. You do need to dig in and let God speak to your heart and challenge your heart. But Jesus did take a lot of field trips. I love field trips. They're so much fun. You get the little brown bag lunch and the peanut butter and jelly is so smashed up that your mom made, but it's still so good. It's like a ball of peanut butter and jelly. Jesus took a lot of field trips. And I think we might miss those sometimes. I think that might be where, at least me personally, I can get really busy with tasks for God and not reaching people that are around me. It starts where you are. The disciples were told, stay in Jerusalem Wait for the Holy Spirit to endow you with power. 
And then you're going to preach repentance and you're going to preach the gospel here in Jerusalem. Is that rain? We need rain. <laughs> My green beans, man. They need a drink. Hopefully all your windows are up. If you run out right now, I will pardon you. It's okay. But you might say, hey, we're not, I'm not all, we're not all called to, I'm not called to be a pastor of a church. Yeah. I'm not called to, to be a teacher. I'm not called to do these things. I, and I have this job. This is what I'm doing. This is my life. Yeah. But it's not the church's leadership's job to make disciples. It's the church's job. All of us doing it together. And some are going to plant seeds. And some are going to water seeds. And some are going to harvest seeds, right? We're all going to do all of those things. How can a cafe team member or a greeter be discipling people? I tell you one thing. Every, we meet with everyone who goes through Grow Together, which is like our get to know the church, what we believe, and get involved kind of uh, process that we have. And so many people come through there and say, I was so welcomed here. I knew right away that like I was welcome and that I felt, I felt that, and I didn't feel that other places. And that's such a big thing, so kudos to all of you, it's not insincere here. And that's what I love about this place. It's not insincere. It's not just because I'm a, I got the t-shirt and the badge on today, so I'm gonna be really nice. People are really welcoming here. It's a continuum. It starts where we are and it keeps going. One of the biggest ways though, you can't discipleship, you can't disciple without relationship. We have to build relationships. And Sunday mornings, five minutes before church and 10 minutes after is not, that does not constitute a relationship. We need to be involved with life together, right? That's why I love when we, when we have life groups. We have um, you know, different groups that break up, basically, if, if you haven't been here for a life group. It's just, we call it doing life together. And it's so crucial. And we're going to be doing another series of life groups coming up here. Life groups were never designed to be a, um, a six-week thing and then you're done. Our goal with that is just to get people started building relationships. And that our hope is that people will build relationships with people they don't know and that will just continue on beyond those things. I love this meme. I've seen it going around. This is captioned. If I'm a Christian but I don't know, but I don't need church, if it was a photo, this is what it would look like, right? I get it. We, we don't want to worship church. We don't want to base our relationship with God all on church. It's so much more than that, but we can't neglect meeting together. We can't neglect being together. And I'm not talking about Sunday morning church. I'm talking about doing life together. All right, I'll move on. I'm going to stop harping on that point. And sort of what I'm going to talk about for the last section here is something that I feel is very important. You know, last week... God spoke, the Holy Spirit spoke and said something to us. I'm not sure if you caught it or if you remember, but it was about coming back to our first love. If we're going to do this, if we're going to reach the lost really and not just have a church club, we're going to have to seek God's heart. We're going to have to know him. Did you know that you can go your whole life and barely know God? You can grow up in church and barely know God. You can come here every week. You can raise your hands and barely know God. One of the, you know, the Bible talks about 
work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And there's no verse that does that for me more than the verse that talks about uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice, lawless, practice lawlessness. That's a heavy scripture. It's a sobering scripture. And it's not like God is some mean guy. You didn't do enough. You know, we talked about that this morning. It's that those things without knowing God are religion. We have to have communion with God. We have to be intentional about it. You know, Pastor Bob's sermon last week, I love the point, and it's the one I, I get to pick the points that we put on Facebook. So I pick my favorite ones. I picked the one that, where he said about you know, we, we can get so busy doing things for God that we miss the opportunity to be with God. And that really hit me hard because working in a church sometimes, I can get to that place really easily where I'm just like getting everything done. We gotta get it done. We gotta get it done. And I can get so busy. I think part of the problem too is we have a little bit of delayed consequences sometimes. Who's ever told a lie and then immediately been struck by lightning? No. You know? Uh, we're thankful for God's mercy and his grace. Uh, but sometimes that will lead us to believe that it's just okay to keep doing what we did. God didn't seem to be that mad at me about it, you know? Um, but I think the biggest thing is that we just become satisfied with just enough. I know what it's like to be going through something tough. We sang about that this morning. And we go to God and we say, God, things are really pressing me. I need you. And God is faithful and he will answer our cry and he will meet us where we are. And then we feel better. And maybe without realizing, we go, thanks God, I'll see you later. And we go back to the things that got us in there in the first place. We don't really do this knowingly necessarily or willingly, but it's so easy for it to happen. But there's so much more to our relationship with God. You know, prayer is not really about giving God our list of things we need him to take care of for us. It's really about aligning our hearts to hear from him. Right now, I'm really challenged with this, with um, really hearing God's voice over my life and listening and waiting and letting him speak over me. He's gonna do that through scripture, but sometimes he's gonna to speak to you directly. Look at how much Jesus was praying in the garden and different times whenever he was waiting for God to speak to him. We need to be praying. We need to be seeking God for what he has for us. I love the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. It's probably, it's a pretty famous scripture. A lot of people know it by heart. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. We, think, we talk about that one a lot. That used to be my favorite, but now my favorite is the one that comes after this. Because there were many promises that God gave me in my life where I was like, God, when's this gonna happen? Or God, we wanna do this. Or God, you know, Kim and I had dreams about leading worship at youth camp and things that God placed in us. And we got to do that. It's been, it's been amazing to see these things. But you can even, we can even get these opportunities and do these things for God. And I'm telling you, these students that went to youth camp, it was incredible to see their, we just got to see them right in front of us, not any hype 
or anything going on, God just like, boom, touching this kid. And he's like crying and like going, like God's really touching him. And Kim's over here trying to sing and she's like, <laughs> like faces all, you know, it was incredible. God fulfilling his promise. It was amazing. We can leave youth camp then. And you know, it's like, it's not about what we do for God. I want to hear his voice for me. So the next verse says, then you will call upon me and you will go to pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your captivity. What's holding our hearts captive? Is it entertainment? I'm not dogging entertainment. I'm not saying we can't have fun. But I'm saying, what is holding your heart captive? Is it worry? Is it doubt? Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? These are all things I'm listing off that have held my heart captive at one time or another. We seek God with all of our heart. It's like, that means I'm not holding back anything now. We've got to come back to our first love. We have to be intentional. We have to set time apart. Things have to look differently. We can't just keep doing the same things and expecting different results. God's not interested in just our token flattery on Sunday morning. And I'm sounding heavy here. I'm not saying that our praise is insincere here. I love how our church enters into worship. I feel God's presence here every week. And it's just so awesome for me to be able to be in this place and doing this. And I love it. So don't take me the wrong way. But I, I can tell you that there have been times where I can stand on this platform and sing and really mean it, but, but be distracted, but have my heart held captive. And so we, we're constantly, you can ask anyone on the worship team, we're constantly challenging ourselves to release that and seek God truly and authentically. And when we do, it's without fail every time. God meets us. He meets us where we are. So we're going to close in a second. But I want us to challenge our own hearts. There's nothing I can say that's going to make anyone do anything. But I just really strongly feel this urgency and this excitement. It's exciting here right now. We have so many new families coming into the church. And it's really just exciting to see. It's not exciting because the church is getting bigger. That's not what it's about. You know, the leadership here, Pastor Rob and Dina and Kim and I and other people, we talk, we, we talk about the dreams we have here, and it's not about a big church. It's about a really healthy place. There's been words given about this church that it's a hospital, right? Like a hospital. And we got a, a hospital that doesn't, that's not healthy. Who wants to go there, right? And so it's important for us to be a healthy church, and we're doing things to, to bolster that in different areas. But what's cool is when we do those things, growth is going to happen. People are going to come and they're going to be able to experience God's presence. And it's all part of making disciples. So like Queen Esther was asked by Mordecai, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to do this? Or are you going to go back? And, and Mordecai knew that the task is going to be done. God's going to awaken hearts. God's not going to 
God's not going to fail to call people out of the darkness. He's not going to, he, he didn't fail to call me out, right? But God used people to do that. He used people around me who discipled me. I had a youth pastor, and I say that sort of lightly because that was one of the many roles he had in my life. And he really took me in. I was a real backwards, introverted kid. Uh, I was severely bullied because I was so weird. Listen, I was so weird. I'm st- I, heard you, I heard you back there. I'm still a little weird. I understand. I understand. <clears throat> My identity was purely derived from those around me who made fun of me. And I'm not, this is not a sob story. My point is that I had someone come into my life who poured into me, who didn't care, who he placed, he equipped me, literally gave me equipment (laughs) to do things that I felt called to do. And we need to be that for people around us. It's not just strangers or other people, it's our kids too. You know, I love being a parent. It's very challenging at times, but I love working and equipping our children for their relationship with God. I know that can be difficult. And I know it's easy for us to say our kids are still young. We haven't hit the teenage years yet. I understand. I get it. We pray that God keeps them, keeps their heart. But it's not just that either. It's, it's people around you, people in your sphere. And it's not taking a Bible and hitting them in the forehead or giving them a track and just leaving. You know, it's, it really is building relationship and meeting people where they are. And just taking them from point A to point A point one. <laughs> you know, it's like just a little bit. We just have to do a little bit. But we can't ignore. We can't get so busy and bogged down around us that the people around us don't even know what we believe. And so that challenges me. Because when I go to the, the BMV, I want to get in there and get out, right? I took Emily into the BMV. And I said, Emily, I'm going to prepare you for something. You might hear some people get a little bit grumpy in here today. And it got a little grumpy a couple times. And she just made that little face, you know, that face she makes. She goes, you know, the little face she makes. And um, there's all these little moments that add up that create discipleship. It's not some big old thing all the time. If you look at any time when Jesus was moving and he's about to go minister to the multitudes, do you know what you find in the Bible? He found the one on the way. The disciples were the same way. Every time they were going to do some big thing, they'd find someone on the way. Don't overlook the one on the way. Let's pray. And if the prayer team could come forward and the worship team could play softly. I want us to just challenge our hearts and allow God to open up our hearts and open up our eyes to see the things that are around us, the people that are around us, in what we've individually been created for for a time such as this. We all can't do the same things. We all can't do the things we do the same way because that's not gonna reach everyone. There are people in this community, there are people in our families, they need freedom. We need to keep walking and stepping in our freedom. So we're gonna pray. So I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I want you just to take a minute before we call for prayer requests for people to come up. 
And just in your own way, I want you just to pray a prayer right now as I pray, where you're, you're committing your heart to reaching out your hand and saying, God, I want what you have for me, not what I want for me. And commit your heart to keeping your eyes open to those around you and to really doing something different after we leave this place this morning and not just hearing a sermon, laughing at a couple of my dad jokes and leaving and not changing anything that we're doing. Listen, guys, it's, it's go time. The train is a moving. And I believe that it's possible that time is getting shorter and that we need to be able to reach out to those around us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And right now, just make your own commitment to him. God, we just come before you this morning, God, and we just ask, God, that you would, God, we repent before you. We ask you, God, to forgive us, God, for allowing busyness to take over, allowing comparison to keep us from stepping out and doing what you have for us to do, allowing fear and doubt to make decisions instead of looking up to you like you spoke to us this morning. God, we receive that, and we look up to you this morning, God. As each one of us makes our own commitment to you, God, individually, God, we pray that you would reveal things through our hearts that are in between you and us, God, and that we would throw those things away. We would cast those things aside and that we would run after what you have for our lives with abandon. As we enter this next season of our lives, God, this post-COVID generation, this, this time frame where we have a responsibility where things may look different, where we may need more adoption agencies, God. We may need more families to pick up the slack. Help us to reach out to those around us. And we thank you for your gentle voice and correction, God, that comes to us through your word. And we just pray that you would just um, help us as we leave this place to not remain the same. In Jesus' name we pray.